Hi, I'm Jen Turner, and I'm a psychic medium. Hi, I'm Nadia Thorman, and I'm like the Ryan Seacrest to her Teresa Caputo. And we're here to have a normal conversation about weird stuff. Welcome to The Soul Spot. Hi, everyone. Hey, guys. How's it going, Jen? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Good. How are you? Okay, we're just going to, you know, break down the fourth wall for a minute. Is that what they call it? The fourth wall? Yes. Um, We were supposed to be recording this podcast about, like, three or five or six or seven hours ago. Yes. And we've had, like, every technical difficulty under the sun. Yep. I think the software program might be cursed. That's the only thing I can think of at this point. Um, we don't understand. It. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on right now. Even right now, I'm looking at Jen, and she's she's securing her loose mic. Well, I'm scared now. There's so many things happening with the universe, and I just want to make sure this happens. So we had to put it on pause. <sighs> We're doing it. We can't hear ourselves right now. We're without headphones, and there's, like, dogs barking in the background and kids screaming in a pool. But, but we did take a shot of Fireball. Yeah. <laughs> just to make things a little bit easier. Just to take the edge off. Now it's fun. And now it's fun. And we're trying to like look at our blessings for the day where we just got to have a good laugh about how technology sucks. Yes. <laughs> so over it. So over it. And people Should- wonder why like I hate my phone. I hate the computer. I'm not good at sitting still in general. So all of this is hard for me. I have zero patience for any of it. Yeah. So. I mean, it's really frustrating, but that's not what you guys came here to hear about. You came here to... <laughs> Just real life, people. Just real life. Um, let's get into some reading of the week. Okay. Yeah, we so a lot we've got, to talk about. We've got a good episode today, you guys. So just to kind of give you the breakdown, we are going to be talking about kind of mental health check-ins um, and how we can help ourselves feel better. So we'll, we'll kind of get into that and give you guys some examples and some tools that you can use down the line. But for reading of the week, this was one that I was going to use last week, but I wanted to share it now. So it's another mother reading, but it's mother-daughter this time. And this um, specific reading was just so incredibly beautiful. We met in person at night with a full moon. It was just like this incredible setting of everything. Like everything that you would want to kind of happen during a reading happened. Like the stars aligned. I love it. This person was an acquaintance of mine, which is always somewhat awkward because now we're really getting to know each other in this very personal light. But it it ended up being really great. So she said before we even got started, she's like, oh my God, this is so weird. It's connecting me and giving me this notifications on my phone through Wi-Fi of this restaurant. And I'm like, what? And she like kept getting this like notification of like that she's connected now to this Wi-Fi of a restaurant that's not even near us. Weird. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. I knew the restaurant. I was like, oh, weird. Didn't think much of it. And she's like, no, that's the restaurant I used to always go to with my mom. And I was like, no way. I'm like, between that and a full moon, like we're good. Like We are going, this is going to be a beautiful reading. And it was, it was crystal clear. Like she gave me... Her sign, her birthday, she gave me like her communication signs with her daughter. At one point I saw like somebody jogging and I was like, I knew because her mom kind of like took a yellow highlighter and like circled around them in my head. And I was like, she was a runner. 
And she's like, yes, she was. And that's something she really prided herself on. So it ended up being really cool. And we ended it with just some really validating, amazing facts just about like this client even being conceived because the mom had such like fertility issues and all of this stuff. And it's like, how would I know that? You know, it's cool. So it was really cool. And it was kind of like, she was this miracle baby that was like grew up to be this like beautiful woman and like her mom's person you know they were best friends so it was really it was really really special and that's one that I'll always hold near so I love that okay so we're gonna get right into um the topic of the week and like Jen said we're doing a little mental health check-in I know that like tensions have been super high in this whole COVID world and we're kind of at a place now where we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, where we live here, we have a lot of really strict rules in Orange County, but I know our friends in other states, a lot of businesses have actually opened back up completely. And we're kind of just like, I mean, I would say like a few weeks behind all of that, hopefully maybe a month behind that, but we're starting to see our state parks open back up. Um, people are getting together more for social distancing gatherings and it's like people are physically going back to work in small ways, um, depending on where you're at. So I know a lot of people, there's just been this energetic shift where a lot of people just like hit a breaking point this week. Are over it. Freaking over it. Yep. And um, I know like, I don't know what you feel comfortable sharing, Jen, but I know you've had like a really tough week. Do you want to give us a little update? Yes. I mean, that's what this is about, right? <laughs> sharing our so, so first of all, I'm over it. I'm over the quarantine. I'm over all of it. <laughs> I'm just like done this week. I feel like I have had it really easy and like really lucky for the past few weeks. But this week it just kind of came crashing down. It's kind of, I guess what happened this week is that when things go wrong in your life, you, you kind of get this like F that attitude, mm. right? Yep. Where it's like you give zero Fs anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's where I became, that's where I came to this week. Right. Where it's like, let my kids just slide on the effing slide. Right. Like, be done with this. Mm -hmm. For me, which is kind of like a sidebar, and my husband and I have always talked about this, I'm like, you can close, even even the parks, like I say that kind of kidding, but like even the parks, that's like, that was built by the city, you put caution tape, whatever, whatever, fine. The beaches, the hiking trails in like the canyon that we live by, that's not, that doesn't belong to the city, that's nature. Right. Like, how can you close off nature? Right. So it just started getting me, like, real rattled this week. Yeah. You know? But anyways, the kind of, the whole reason I think that I came to this point of being so rattled is that in July, um, we lost our family dog, or he was actually, like, my dog. <laughs> he was my little baby angel. He was angel. first baby slash soulmate. He was. Like, he's, like, my little love, and I'm trying not to get emotional, but... But he died of kidney disease. He was old. It was his time. And he had passed away from kidney disease. So in November, we decided to get a new family pet. My daughter and my son were, especially my daughter, were grieving really badly about our first dog, Blitz. And so she would cry herself to sleep in his blanket. You remember this. Like it was the most heartbreaking thing in the world because you're dealing with your own grief and then you're dealing with the grief of your child which is just kind of unbearable. So she would cry herself to sleep. So we, to fix this, were like really excited about getting a new family dog. So we found this perfect little angel girl, Sammy. And she's, um, her real name's Samantha. She's 
like she's just the best dog. Like she's playful, she's sweet, she's got the best demeanor. She's just so easygoing. We just adore her. And I didn't bond with her the way that I bonded with Blitz. She's the family dog. It's kind of like more shared responsibility and things like that. But I have for sure fallen in love with her. Yeah, you know, I mean, like she's, she's the sweetest. She's the sweetest. So she was going to get spayed on Monday. Again, things being super weird right now. Like I can't go into the vet. I have to like drop her off. So all of my conversations with the vet are via phone. That's so annoying. It's just annoying because there's a lot to cover. She goes in to get spayed and they do a routine blood panel that they do for all the dogs and her kidney levels came back really high. So they called me and said they will not operate that these kidney levels indicate kidney disease. And it's like that word alone is kind of like triggering. It's so triggering for me because of everything we went through with Blitz. And so I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And so long story short, our eight month old puppy has kidney disease And we're still trying to figure out why. We're still in the stages of like more tests to come and an ultrasound on Friday and all of that. So please, community of healers and lovely angel people, please say some prayers for our baby girl, Sammy. Um, We would appreciate it, especially to just save the heartbreak for the kids and myself, but like mostly the kids. They could not bear this again. Yeah. We're still waiting on all of that, but I was just feeling it all this week. It was rough. It was so rough. It was so triggering because of everything we went through with Blitz. Like I had to really kind of sort out how I was feeling because it became such a fearful place for me. Yeah. You know, I know what this looks like in dogs. And so it just became like very fearful. And the point of this topic was Nadia and I were talking about it. I'm like, the only thing that saved me this week was talking about it to everybody I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And it sounds crazy because it does feel a little selfish to be like, here's my pile of shit. Now here you have it, you know? And like, just to like vomit on everybody that you meet. But for me and my personality or whatever, it's the only way I can cope. Right. It's the only thing that helps me feel better. Mm -hmm. And each time I tell it, even just now telling it, I feel better. And you were able to have a a good cry over it. Totally. And... There's something so healing about the act of letting yourself be really sad about something or really frustrated or really upset and it might not feel productive and you might feel like weak in that moment or whatever and you might be hard on yourself for not being able to, you know, get a rein on your feelings. Right. But there really shouldn't be shame in the things that we are expected to do in our human experience and sometimes they're really hard and they suck And you need to cry. And that is okay. You need to cry. You need to take a shower. You need to release that. Absolutely. And you do do feel so much better when you've gotten that out, right? Yeah. I mean, so our girlfriend came. She, like, came up to our, like, our fence in the back. And I saw her. She was out on a run. And she, like, stopped in. And I just purged. I totally purged on her. Like, I made the joke that I'm like, don't ever ask me how I'm doing. Right. (laughs) Unless you actually want to know how I'm doing. You know, it's funny. Is this same kind of thing happened to me once um, in our old neighborhood? One of my neighbors, who's like the sweetest lady, was literally just be like, hey, how's it going? Right. And I was having the most horrible day. And like, some weird (laughs) shit had happened with Bubba. And I was like... 
I just started bawling. And, and she probably, she was looking at me and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's never going to ask me how I'm doing again. I mean, I don't know if it was like ugly crying, but I definitely was like, oh, yeah. um, I've been better. Right. Because I was like trying to hold it together. Right. You're like, don't ask me unless you want to hear. <laughs> right. And so it's like, I have a really hard time with that small talk. Same. In our culture. Like when people ask me how I'm doing, I'm like, I mean... That is such a loaded question. It totally <laughs> like, it's like, how long you got? Right. Do you, do you actually want to know? No, you want me to be like, oh, I'm great. How yeah, are you? Things are great. How about you? It's like this rhetorical question. I think that it's a purging. It's a cleansing. Mm-hmm. And crying is so critical and it's so crucial. Right. So I think that that is like a really important um, point of this. But I also want to say that talking about it, each time I talked about it, I felt better because through talking... I understood it better. Yeah. My narrative became more clear. I understood my options easier. Telling and retelling, it's this exercise of comprehending it and surrendering to it, I think. Yeah, and I think also, too, the more you talk about it, it doesn't um, numb you to the pain of what's happening, It, but it, it actually, it kind of takes the power away mm-hmm. from that kick in the gut that you haven't been, that you've been holding in, right? So if the first time you talk about it, you start bawling. The second time you talk about it, you have less emotion and so forth. You're kind of taking the power away from that because you've already lent it to the universe. Yes. You've lent it out into this consciousness of like your friends, your family. Now you put it out there. So because you're getting that support from people, they're kind of energetically holding you up. Yes. Right? Totally. So it's like not the burden of just you carrying that anymore. It's like now they're carrying it with you. Yeah, and they're, they're helping. Hel- they're helping. And I, I love think that. it's really important to remember that like we just become pressure cookers when we hold all those feelings in and the people that love you in your life, they want to be there to help you. They want to be there to lend an ear, to lend advice, just words of comfort. Right. Like it's all so helpful. And you in turn, you that power is kind of taken away from just this helpless feeling like you become more empowered each time you talk about it. Yes. Like that's exactly what I experienced this week. Like each time I retold this story of what I just told you. And and to be honest, that's the first time I've told it without crying, you know, just now. And so it's like each time I think that it lessens the emotional charge and heightens the like kind of more reasonable charge. Mm -hmm. And it takes, I think for girls too, they have like studies on this that girls have to, talk through yep. their emotions to fix it. Men are only really willing to talk through after it's been fixed. Yeah, they need to retreat and and, and become internalized yep. and intellectualize it and then come forth with Once their conclusion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like they don't talk it through the way that we do. And for me, it's such an avenue of therapy. One thing that I was going to say too is that You know, the idea, we kind of said this like jokingly, but like the idea of don't ask me how I'm doing unless you want to hear the truth of it. There's something so beautiful and something so powerful, I think, about a community of women or a a group of friends that are real, true, authentic friends, because I've never been good at small talk. Right. And... I'm never afraid to just purge my feelings on people. Mm -hmm. I'm never afraid to tell, like, I will air out my dirty laundry all day long. Okay, I love that you said this because I I feel a thousand percent the same way. And I have, like, literally what happened to me a few days ago in my new neighborhood is I met this woman for the first time. And I she was talking to me. I was in my driveway. And she was talking to me from, like, across the way of the street. And she kind of looked up and said something to me. And my my knee-jerk reaction was to, like, 
oh, she's talking about the weather. And like, and I said, I'm like, yeah, it's a nice day. I was kind of doing this, like, I didn't really hear what you said, but I'm going to pretend I did. And then I get, I realize that is not what she said by her face. Okay. And so I get close to her. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I I didn't, well, I'm like, what did you say? And then she goes, I am so done with this coronavirus. And she starts just letting loose. I love it. And I was like, oh my gosh, are we new best friends? Because she's. You're my people. She's like, she was the best. She was like, you know what? I'm not wearing a bra today because I can't find it. And it's in a pile of clean laundry. And I'm looking at it and I don't feel like putting it away. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love you. You're my people. I love you. And guess what? (laughs) If you were to dive down deep into that stranger, she either has a killer group of girlfriends behind her or has got a bunch of sisters. No, I literally, I was like, oh my gosh. So we, within five minutes, we were our, we were like having this so super real yeah just letting it was funny it was fun it was real it wasn't fluffy conversation she's amazing I'm like so happy to meet this new neighbor lucky lucky that's awesome but um yeah I I feel the same way I mean you'd be surprised when you're like honest with people what you get in return yeah but I think that it's kind of this weird unfortunate thing that takes place which is um, people building kind of caricatures or like personas or egos whatever you want to call it around themselves what, what holds you accountable so much to the core of who you are is the people that you knew earlier on, right? Like your core group. So that could be family or that could be a group of friends. I think there's something very, very like authentic about having a group of girlfriends that will call you out on your shit. Yes. That will hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. If I were to come to you or any of my girlfriends that are I'm very close to and you guys were to say like, how's it going? And I'd be like, oh, it's great. How's your day going? You'd be like, what's wrong with you? For sure. <laughs> You'd be like, what is wrong with you? Like, right. tell me what's really going on. And I'd be like, Ugh, I just got this and I got this and now I'm worried about this. And I've never been afraid to air out my dirty laundry because I've grown up with this amazing group of females mm-hmm. that we all just do that. Yeah, same here. I would be really um, sad if I wasn't able to like give my girlfriend shit about something they said or they did or it's kind of like it there's so much love behind it though right and it's kind of what keeps you so much love it keeps you grounded and it keeps you it is an authentic relationship because I mean life is hard (laughs) yeah and they keep they totally keep you honest and because I grew up in such a safe space with that I've never felt the need to shelter my emotions. Yeah. You know, and maybe to a fault. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. Maybe like when (laughs) the server asked me how I'm doing, I shouldn't cry about my dog, you know, or whatever. Right. And I want to read you this quote when I was kind of like brainstorming about this week's episode. I found from a woman who has a PhD and she's a psychologist in New York City. She is Dr. Marion Margulies, I hope I'm saying that right. She has a lot of interesting things to say about the importance of talk therapy. But the reason I want to talk about this is because I think talk therapy, it's in the same universe as talking about your feelings with whoever's closest to you, talking about your girlfriends, releasing that, getting it out. Right. I think there's so much um, damage that can come from not having that safe space. Right. Um, we know about like raised cortisol levels and stresses in the body that can lead to like physical symptoms and ulcers and all that stuff. Sure. So basically what she says is there have been some studies that show many physical ailments are eliminated when someone engages in therapy. When we do not express feelings, but swallow them and keep them buried out of our conscious awareness, one's body often reacts. It acts as a barometer that reads danger, 
Something is amiss and needs attention. Showing up via stomach aches, headaches, sleeping problems, and ulcers are just some of the ways that our body reacts yes. to stress and pain. Yes. So um, it's just so important to remember that your mind and body are very connected. Your feelings matter. It's okay to have a bad day. Yeah. And it's important to release it. You know what I just thought of too? Last night I tagged... Nadia and our friend Brooke into was it last night or this morning? I can't remember. I think it was this morning and I honestly didn't have a chance to look at it. Okay well you'll love her but she's somebody that I've followed for years and her name is Dr. Christian Northrup and she's kind of just this like spiritual leader. She's an OB. She's like a medical doctor. She was kind of one of like she was like this powerhouse female. She's got to be in like her 70s now or something maybe I think. Anyways she's just incredible. She talks about kind of like female tribes quite a bit. She had this really incredible thing that I listened to and she talked about when people are about to get a hysterectomy. Okay? Okay. It's a big decision. Very emotional for a woman. Very final. And even if you have come to terms with the fact that you're no longer having children, just the idea of not being able to, I think is like... Taking that off the table is huge. It's huge. And... There's a lot of medical reasons for it. Sure. And again, she is a medical doctor by trade, but she is like incredibly spiritual and can shed a lot of light on like the BS of the medical community. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she's just like this incredible woman, but she said, I encourage anybody who is getting a hysterectomy to dig in deep and to find, to intuitively discover if it's the right time for you. Mm-hmm. And if it is to gather all your girlfriends and do a ritual to say goodbye, to grieve it, to mourn it, to celebrate it, to pass it along. Yeah. But you need your women in your life. 100%. And it's just the coolest to me. And she said, and when the day comes, I want you to bring in your mom, your aunt, your best friend, whoever it is that you want, come into my office with them because you're going to need a tribe to get you through this. Isn't that cool? It's totally cool. It's making me emotional. Um, I think it's so important for somebody in the medical community to recognize that. Yeah. Because I could imagine what an isolating experience that would feel like without yeah. that. Um, you would absolutely need that tribe with you. Because it's not going to be just that day that's emotional or that week. I'm sure that's something that's going to be a wound that'll come up later. Yeah. And you'll need your people there, right? Right. So it's like when you go through something traumatic or life-altering, like, you know, check in with your family, your tribe, your girlfriends, whoever that might be. Yes. Your guy friends, if you're men listening. I love that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we do have male listeners. <laughs> I just think it's so beautiful to have that sense of community and to show, like, why don't we do that? It's because we're not, we don't feel confident when we're that vulnerable or whatever it is. Like, we feel weak if we're that vulnerable or we feel this sense of, like, we don't want to, we feel shamed or we don't, you know, there's so many things about it. And for a doctor like her to say like, no, come in. And she even said this, which I love so much. She's like, and on the day of the surgery, when you come in and something in you does not feel right about it, I'll drive you home. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. Isn't that cool? She sounds like a very special lady. I know. I and love I her will- so much. Her, doc- her name is Dr. Christian Northrup. And you can find her on Instagram, and she's got a lot of controversial stuff out there, 100%, I believe. (laughs) We love it. (laughs) Which means we love it. (laughs) She's amazing. But it just goes to show the idea of, like, 
community and talking and exposing your weaknesses and your pain to allow the healing to begin. You know? Absolutely. All right. Are we ready for some soul science? I've got a very poignant one today. We are. Okay. So I touched on this earlier, but today's article comes from us from, to, uh, to us from Psychology Today, and it is cortisol, why the stress hormone is public enemy number one. Again, just to talk about cortisol, we know that's the stress hormone. It causes a lot of inflammation in the body, and when your body's inflamed, it does weird stuff. Everything um, goes wrong. Yes. And, and everything from autoimmune to illness to, you know, um, just anything that's a, already existing in your body, it's going to kind of bring to the surface. So what I like about this article is they give us some tips in ways that we can, lifestyle cho- five lifestyle choices that we can reduce stress, reduce cortisol, and especially in these times, we can kind of um, be our best selves. So number one is pretty basic, regular physical activity. Kickboxing, sparring, aerobics, walking, jogging, swimming, biking. All right. I've been loving my nature walks. Same. My trails by my house have never been closed, and it's been beautiful and life-saving, and I would be dead without it. (laughs) I mean, we're very lucky here. My sister's in Los Angeles. I think about her all the time with my two nephews, like, Come on, open the trails. I know, I know. I mean, our trails are, and and even our beaches, it's not every, don't believe everything you read in the media because I've seen this firsthand and there is plenty of Pacific Ocean to go around, believe it or not. (laughs) So, um, and who owns the ocean? Mother Nature, God, the universe. Yeah. Not the government. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay, number two mindfulness and loving kindness meditation. Do you love this? I love it. Of course I do. All right. Any type of meditation will reduce anxiety and lower cortisol levels. Simply taking a few deep breaths engages <sighs> the vagus nerve. Vagus nerve. Do you know this? I don't know. Okay. Which triggers a signal to your nervous system to slow your heart rate, lower your blood pressure, and decrease cortisol. I mean, like, this is just so meditation 101. Breathing is so important. So important. I mean, can I go on a tangent? Yes. Okay. Yes. So... I am training this client of mine who I've had for a couple years now. I love her with all my heart. She kind of came to me and asked to do some more like psychic development and intuitive training. So I'm like, okay, how do I structure this? I started from the very basics, which hopefully I'll be able to develop to like put out to more people. So I did basic meditation with her last week. And I said, breathing in for like three seconds, holding it and then letting it go like three rounds of that. So simple. And she's like, that's changed my whole week. Wow. Is the breathing. Because I'll remember to go to it throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my God, like that's crazy. Because we all know it. It's super obvious. But we always forget it. Right. Like even right now with this computer that we were ready to throw out the window. Mm -hmm. Like if we just like centered and breathed through it, like we probably would feel much better about it. Sure. So the breathing thing to me is like super basic And like the core of meditation, the core of yoga, Mm -hmm. and like essential to bring down like your anxiety, which of course leads to your cortisol levels. Absolutely. It's funny because when I was really going through it in my early 20s with anxiety, I remember here- You suffered from this. I did. And I I remember when people would talk to me about breathing, I would be like, oh, this is like beyond that. You have no idea. But that being said- as I kind of learned how to cope with it throughout the years, and now my 
if I get a panic attack, it's like once in a blue moon. But the thing now is I've trained myself. I know like right when that feeling sneaks up, I recognize it for what it is. I kind of put it outside of my body like it doesn't belong to me. I it's like an that. unwelcome visitor. And I do I do breathing. And it absolutely helps. Of course. Because on a really basic level, when that starts to sneak up on you, the first thing that happens is your heart rate starts to go through the roof. Yeah. So once you get your heart rate under control, everything else comes into focus. It's like... If anxiety hits you like a moving train and all of a sudden your heart rate's up, it's like you can't see straight. Like every nothing makes well, sense. It's just like a child, right? Like right. when if like Miles hurts himself or whatever, it's like the first thing I say is like take a deep breath. Right. It's okay. Right. Take a deep breath and it's like <gasps> you know. Once my heart rate's under control, everything else is focused and I'm like, "Oh, this is just this external feeling." Yes. That's a very old unwelcome visitor yep. and has no place here right now. Yep. And I am excusing this <laughs> yeah. nuisance and I'm going to move on with my day. So it's kind of like, it's an amazing thing to recognize as how, as how real it is, right? Like it's not just, Oh, take a deep breath. It's, no. it's really just focus on your breath and take hold that breath. So can I ask you something about that too? Sure. Um, this is a personal question. Yeah. We're just sharing everything today. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like your anxiety is heightened when you PMS? Um, Can you link it to your cycle at all? It's a good question. I mean, like, for sure, when I have PMS, I get very ragey. Like, but it doesn't feel like anxiety. It's to, more just like short-fused or whatever. Uh, I can't really link it to that specifically. I'm sure that's happened. I'm just not remembering. But, like, I definitely get, like, um, punch-a-wall adjacent when I'm PMS. <laughs> Gotcha. Mine comes through in the form of anxiety. Okay. So like for like two days out of the month, like my skin crawls and nothing can be done right or fast enough and I'm missing something and everything is going to go wrong. Oh, I feel that way too. So to me, like, okay, yes. So to answer your question, yes. If that ever, yes. I mean, to me, that's how I experience anxiety. So maybe like everything is life or death. And, like, incredibly overwhelming. Yeah. No, definitely for me, too. I just, I guess because I've been down such a weird anxiety um, journey in my past where, like, I would get panic attacks where I'm like, oh, I'm going to die. You have to take me to the hospital. I'm going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Yours was next level. Mine, so, so... I just look at that. I'm sh- yeah, and you're right. It is anxiety. Mine's I, probably like garden variety. I just look at that but... as like general like rage. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like, but but you're right. It is a t- totally a form of anxiety. That's very valid, and I definitely experience that. That is my primary form of anxiety. I guess if you were to call it that, yeah. like I don't suffer from anxiety typically. Yeah, like it's weird. I I really feel for me like in general despite what I just admitted to. But I feel like overall I've kind of moved past the anxiety phase of my life Mm -hmm. into like this new chapter where I'm like, it doesn't like haunt me anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't feel like it's like taking over. It's so interesting because I I mean, obviously Nadia and I have known each other since we were 19. Yeah. So I remember your experience with anxiety and how scary it was. And then it kind of came back during early newborn phase. Right? Yeah, it, it did. It did. And that's totally hormone related, I'm sure. Completely. Yeah. And so that's like when I, I had a little bit, like I have insomnia. Yeah. So that's kind of like how mine has manifested where I just stay up all night and I'm like, I can't, my mind won't rest. 
but it's never panic attack. It's never, I'm going to die. It's never that. It's more just like, I can't relax enough. Mm-hmm. Now, like that we're talking about it, I've never actually thought about that. How it takes such different form. Totally. It's weird for me, um, like post kids and especially now in this new weird world, I've experienced more like small doses of depression where it's not like it takes over my life. I'm not going to say I'm like clinically depressed where I don't get out of bed, but I do have those really heavy, dark moments where I'm like, this is a feeling for me that I'm not comfortable with, that I don't like. It just feels like something external. Right. That's like, like a pressure, like a like a heaviness, right? right? Like, and I, I, I can recognize that as a depression, but I do think that also comes from like a lot of being a mother is like, you do have this lack of control over what your day is going to look like. You do have to surrender. Like we always like to say, we just, you have to surrender yeah. to what your life is like with the kids. And for somebody like me, I'm so used to just, you know, seeking my pleasure or whatever. Right. Right. That it's like, it is, especially now, it is really weird to feel like, you know, sometimes you feel like the walls are closing in yeah. on you yeah. when you don't have control over anything that's going to happen that day. It's so crazy because I think everybody experiences it so differently. And I love the way that you put that because that's like, I mean, a very accurate, I think, portrayal of what a lot of people go through. And like for me, my anxiety manifests in because I'm a three, probably, it's like, I can't finish a task. So I feel overwhelmed. Right. And I stay up because I want to like do more and I can't rest. I can't like surrender to just giving up. But it is interesting because I think that I've tried at least as best as I can to take note of the pattern. And my triggers are PMS and lack of sleep, which sucks for somebody who has insomnia. Lack of sleep is so huge. Like, but it, like, like, make or break your whole life. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And, like, all of a sudden, if I if I can go two nights with, like, zero sleep, but, like, on my third night, the next day, everything is overwhelming. It'll mm-hmm. be like making toast, and I can't do it. No, it's – life is very painful. And, you know, just from relating to this, like, I've had bouts of insomnia, but um, more recently like with having kids or whatever. Sure. You know, we all have sleepless nights sure. with kids and especially babies or whatever. Relating to this, like, if if you're struggling with your sleep and your life sucks, <laughs> right. you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. You need to get sleep. And that's so hard. And, like, my sympathy goes out to you. But that is such a number one basic human function that affects every area of our mental health. And, like, we cannot discount the power of a good night's sleep. All right, number three, recommendations for keeping your mental health in check. (laughs) And this one's a little ironic right now, but it is social connectivity. And like I said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's, I mean, everyone's social distancing now, and it's, it's, it's important to get that connection with people. But there's been a lot of research at John Hopkins University, and they established that elevated levels of cortisol to people who have more of these socialized experiences, they have found lower findings um, throughout youth with all different kinds of mental health issues. So, I mean, obviously this kind of bleeds into every area of life. I mean, this is so current. So current. I mean, I think everyone right now is post-isolation, current isolation. I mean, we're not out of the woods yet, but they're experiencing these 
dropped in serotonin levels. They're experiencing these depressive episodes. They're experiencing all of this stuff. I mean, I've experienced it as well. I've, I'm doing my best and I, I know logically yeah. what I need to do to fix it. But it's not that easy in these times, you know? No, it's not. And you know what's interesting about that is I, I've shared this with you before, but it's like, what is the harshest form of punishment in prison? <laughs> uh, solitary confinement. <laughs> exactly. Like, give me a break. <laughs> because we're human. Mm-hmm. And like the human experience is to, is to connect with other humans. Right. Even if we're in a depressive lump, do your best to connect with whoever is in your life. Make it a practice the way we go on a run or the way we meditate or the way we do anything for ourselves that's like a form of self-care. I'm going to get kind of political here. For sure. <laughs> do <Is> it. There-, <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be a holistic approach because you are a whole human. Mm. Amen to that, sister. So if what right now is suffering is your spiritual and emotional well-being, go talk to someone. Yeah. Go get coffee. Go to someone's house. Right. That sometimes is more important and more healing than anything else. I mean. You got me going. I know I love it. And um, just to back you up, um, there's been some really heartbreaking stories that I've accidentally click, click, clicked on in, you know, internet wormholes. Um. Even friends of friends, people, the suicide rates are really high right now. And um, mental health is so real and it's so important that we're connected with each other. Um, And there's also people like senior citizens at home that are very afraid to go to the hospital and they're having heart attacks and dying in their homes because they're too scared to go into the ERs. And meanwhile, here where we live in Orange County, um, our ERs are pretty empty right now. Yeah. So... It's probably really important to go in when something life-threatening is happening to you. Um, So there's a lot of weird, messy aftermath to this um, experience. And it's not black and white. This world is very nuanced. So please, you know, remember that and act with kindness when you see what somebody else is doing. Um, They might just be doing their damn best for that day. Think with kindness before you judge this uh, Everyone's doing their best right now. I really believe that. And we really need to be kinder to each other and really look at all sides of this equation. So, I mean, I completely agree. And I think that honor yourselves and honor your truth and whatever that is. If you need connection more than you need, you know, vitamin C, go get connection. If you need to just like get some fresh air, go get fresh air. Okay, so number four on our list is laughter and levity. Having fun and laughing reduces cortisol levels. Love it. I mean, laughter is the best medicine. I think everyone has Netflix now. You know, watch your comedies. Make yourself laugh. Gonna watch something serious. Watch a period piece like Outlander with dreamy um, (laughs) Jamie Frazier. You can watch him in a kilt um, fighting with swords. And it's dark, but it's also very pleasing. I'm just going to give you that advice. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I know. I got to. Oh I got gosh. It's I my favorite show in the world. She screenshots me like everything. Yeah. Outlander. Okay. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Um, number five, our last one on the list is music. Listening to music that you love and fits the mood you're in has been shown to lower cortisol levels. I mean. So good. Listen, I've been listening to every type of music during quarantine. One of them being um, like summer country playlists. Well, I mean, country music is the best to it's, begin with, but it's like, it, you can't be in a bad mood listening no, to No, chicken soup music. for the soul. It really is. I even also, we made a tiki lounge in our backyard. It's really cheesy, <sighs> but it's like, what else are we going to do? And um, I was putting on like Hawaiian music the other day I and I was it. like, Here you know go. what? We're just going to, everything's a theme now. <laughs> 
Everything's a theme. Yeah. Okay, are we ready for some Ask the Media? Yeah, I really don't know what these questions are, so I'm curious. Yes, okay. We haven't had time to go over anything with all our technical difficulties. Okay, so our first question comes to us from Kirsten, who is in Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, Kirsten. And she asks, is it possible that a pet could come forward during a reading? And if so, are they are there discuss are there distinguishing characters in how they communicate messages to the medium? So I think she's asking, like, how do you specifically know yeah. what pet or whatever? Yeah. And we did cover this a little bit in a few weeks ago, but I think this is a more detailed question. Okay, so just to, like, the short answer is absolutely. Pets always come through. It's such a fun one for me to get. There are people who specialize specifically in animals. They're, like, animal mediums. And they're far better at this than I am. When I get a pet come through, it's usually as just a validation from the person I'm getting. So it'll be like, they're over there on the other side with like your German shepherd. Okay. So like, I'll get that. Yeah. Whatever. Sometimes I can't get the breed, but sometimes I can't. So there's some people who can specifically just get animals more than they get humans. Mm -hmm. It's incredible to see. I've witnessed it a few times. They will get like... The breed, the characteristics, all of it. So they will come through absolutely with kind of defining characteristics. Now, it's a little bit trickier with animals, as you can imagine, because there's only so many validations that you can give, right? Right. But I think that when you practice this enough as a medium who who specializes in this, you get really good at it. So there's a couple of people out there that, that have um, kind of mastered this craft, I've gotten, um, I got a Rottweiler once. They like are crying at a screen door and that they're like chewing on a steak bone. So it's like, they're very kind of obvious ones because it seems like stereotypical Well, a lot, to be fair, a lot of dogs do the same things. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. So it's like the stereotypical kind of thing. Will you ever get like the color or size? Do you get things like that? Sometimes I will. Sometimes I will. But a lot of the times, because I'm connecting mostly with the human spirit, I'll get it in references of myself. So I'll get a lot, like when we had, when I had Blitz, it was like a lot of black and tan dogs that I got. And then now I have a lot of blonde dogs come through. Okay. So, you know, and then I'll have to like give it a minute and like, I can't hold too closely to it. It's like, okay, they're talking to me about a dog. What's interesting is that I will get usually the time frame of when the dog was with them. That's very clear for me to get. Oh, that's, I like that. So I'll say like, this was a dog in his later years that like was kind of the dog that he had after the kids left. Oh, wow. Or like this was a childhood dog. Yeah. Or this was a dog that got him through when he was like really old and it was like who he came through. So it's like I'll know where where they landed in time. Sure. But it just depends. Each read's a little bit different. Okay. Our next and final question comes to us from Joelle in Seattle. And she says, I want to connect with a family member who has passed. I would love my husband to be a part of this experience, but he is very cynical and a major skeptic. Any advice on ways to open his mind. Pray for him. <laughs> just pray for his soul. Should she, do you think she should bring him and just? No. No. Like it'll ruin, this is such a personal thing. Like if this is something she wants to do to bring herself like peace or closure or validation, like you do you. You don't yeah. need him there. Yeah. Like you don't need him there. Right. And if he wants to be there eventually based on your experiences, let him come to that. Right. But like, honestly, you don't want mess- him messing up your juju if like he's not ready, you yeah, know? That's a great point. And there, there's, listen, I've been to a lot of demonstrations of mediumship and there's been somewhere like 
it's kind of like unfortunate, but the best reads are the ones who are skeptics. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, of course they come to him who didn't even want to be here to begin right. with. And all these like 95 other people are like praying that they get a reading. Right. And like the one person who's a skeptic gets it. So sometimes it works in your favor, but I would say ultimately it's not your battle to fight. Like you can't convince somebody of something. Share your experience. Share what it means to you. But honor their journey and like yeah. whatever they want. And this is, again, another, like, sidebar <laughs> conversation. But I just got um, a text message from somebody who wants to do, wants me to come over and kind of do, like, a clearing of their space who's, like, a total skeptic, male skeptic. Oh, and I'm like, interesting. And, and then he was like, you know I'm a skeptic in this because he's, like, a dear friend of ours. He's like, you know I don't believe in any of this. I'm like, everyone's a skeptic until they've had a personal experience. Yeah, I that's how I feel. Like... I mean, I don't know any person who's been through this or had a personal experience or had a reading and they're still a skeptic. It just like doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Anyways. All right. Well, listen, despite the way we got started here, I think it's been a really great episode. And I hope that like some of this resonated with you guys and, um, you know, just, you know, this is a you are not alone moment. Yeah. (laughs) Jen, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram at the.soul.spot. How about you? And you can find me on Instagram. It's my name at Nadia Thorman, N-A-D-I-A-T-H-O-R-M-A-N-N. And thanks so much for you guys for listening. Please tell a friend, subscribe, leave us five stars in the reviews. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.